Greetings and welcome to the Mount Calvary Nation podcast hosted by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where our pastor is the Reverend S.N. Winston Jr. We thank you for joining us and hope that this episode blesses you. Awesome. Looking forward to that great getting up morning. Verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is so, so many times we get caught up in the earthly stuff that we forget that there is an end goal. There is a... <laughs> And one day, one day, <laughs> without the prison of these bodies, one day. First Corinthians chapter 12. Just one verse of scripture. Here it is. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. You may be seated. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. So we're still talking about the church that Jesus built. We are endeavoring this year in 2020 to transform lives through dynamic administration, the way we do church. And so we are taking a biblical look at the church that Jesus intended when he told Peter and the rest of the disciples, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, Brother McCory, while I'm thinking about it, before I forget, it's so good to see you back with us today. Good to see you, sir. Yes, sir. Glad you're here. Praise God. Praise God. Now, one of the terms that is used in the Bible to talk about the church is the body of Christ. This metaphor describing the church in human terms um, is useful to show us some of the attributes and expectations of the church of the living God. In order to begin to take a look at it, I want to take a look at its earliest mention, and that is from the Apostle Paul, um, and, and I say it's, it's earliest mention because although 1 Corinthians is not necessarily the first mention the way it is lined up in our Bible, um, you have to understand that the order of Paul's letters is a little different than we see it in our Bible, all right? Uh, Paul, his, his earliest letter written around 50 AD was to the church, uh, the first 
letter to the church at Thessalonica, right? And then Galatians and then 1 Corinthians, okay? So this 1 Corinthians mention of the body of Christ is really the freshest revelation that we have from Paul about what body of Christ entails, all right? So we're taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because we, we find the real first mention there. That's, that's Paul's first expression of the revelation that he received about the concept of the church as the body of Christ. And that's what we want to look at today, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. Now, um, I, I recognize that, um, that this is some of the less thrilling stuff to take a look at, right? Um, It is much more exciting to preach about and to hear preached about uh, the blessings of God and um, stuff that will make you run and jump and Um, But I think sometimes we overlook the importance of the elementary stuff like um, the fact that 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 house that I could preach about and that you could shout about could one day be foreclosed, but the fact that you are a member of the body of Christ can never be taken away, right? It's just a different... Uh, a different way of looking at what is. I'm so glad you all sang about what's important in that great get in the morning. I get to see Jesus. That's important. That stuff can't nobody take away from you, right? Yeah. All right. So there are really three attributes in this short verse of scripture, and I want to show you quickly. First of all, this verse shows ownership. It does show ownership. Paul says, you are the body of Christ. Soma Christos. That word Christos in the Greek is a masculine singular noun. That's not news to us. But when you keep studying, you find that it is in what is called the genitive case. I know you don't care about what case it's in, but let me tell you what the genitive case says about that word Christos. The genitive case refers to the case of a word that is used to show Ownership. In other words, when Paul says you are the body of Christ, he is saying you are the body that belongs to Christ. You are the body owned by Christ. You are the body in Christ's possession. You are the body run by Christ, possessed by Christ, controlled by Christ, held by Christ, retained by Christ, kept by Christ. And I've got news for you today. The church does not belong to the pastor. It makes my skin crawl when I'm sitting in a class or a seminar and I hear a pastor say, well, at my church, um, sir, that's not your church. That's the church you pastor." I got more news for you. The church does not belong to the deacons. How many times do we hear it said? The deacons run that church. Listen, God never put the church into the hands of a deacon. I got some more news for you. The church does not belong to the highest giver. I got some more news for you. 
And I don't mean any offense. Y'all listen to me. I am Baptist born. I'm Baptist bred. When I die, I will be a Baptist dead. But the church does not even belong to the membership. We are the body of Christ. You see, we got to understand the nature of ownership. In order to legitimately own something, one of three things must happen. There are only three ways to legitimately own something. Only three ways. Number one, you can inherit it. That is, when somebody dies because you are in relation to them or they willed it to you, it's yours. By example, I have a walking stick. Some of you have seen me with it on days that I walk to the church. I carry it. I inherited it. It was my father's walking stick. And after he went home to be with the Lord, my mother said, I could have it. It's mine by inheritance. The second way to own something is by gifting. If somebody gives something to you, you own it. But then the final way to ownership is through purchase. You purchase it and it's yours. You pay the price for it and you own it. Well, the church is too expensive for the preacher. It costs too much for the deacon. Not even the wealthiest member can afford the body of Christ. The members cannot pool our money to purchase it. As a matter of fact, the body of Christ couldn't be bought at all. That's why back in 1983, Vanessa Bell Armstrong recorded a song based in scripture that said, if riches could have paid the debt, then God could have sold all the walls of Jasper and all the streets of purest gold. But he knew the cost of one lost soul was more than wealth could buy so he took on the form of man and became the perfect sacrifice here's how John put it for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life in Acts 20 Luke said he bought the church with his own blood Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and again in chapter 7 you are bought with a price. In 1865, a hymnologist named Elvina Hall wrote it like this, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. We are the body of Christ because he bought us paid for us with his own blood. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Psalm 107 says this to those who are redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, the ones he brought from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, the ones who were out wandering in the wilderness, but he brought you in, the ones who were thirsty, but he gave you living water, the ones that were in trouble, but he delivered you. That's why the body of Christ gets a little loud sometimes. That's why we don't want to control ourselves sometimes. That's why we sing, we shout, we dance, we run, we lift our hands, we clap our hands because we've been redeemed and we're just grateful for his ownership. Is there anybody in the sanctuary this morning who is grateful for his ownership? Not 
only do we see a picture of ownership of the body of Christ, but we also see a picture of stewardship in the body. It's implied in the text. Let me show you what I mean. Paul here compares the church to a body. Let's get down to what the essence of a body is. All a body really is, is a container. It's a house. Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a tent. A temporary place to live. That's how it was created. To be a container. Say it with me. The body is a container. The body is a carrier. The body is a vessel. Yeah. That's how God made it. Let me show if I let me see if I can show you what I'm talking about. Back in Genesis chapter 1, you all remember when the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, "Let there be light." And there was light and over and over again throughout creation God spoke and it was. God said and it happened. Ah, but on the sixth day God formed man out of the dust. Did you catch that? Everything up to that point, God spoke and it happened. But when he was ready for man, he scooped down into the dust with his very own hands and he formed man out of the dust. He formed him as a container. He formed him as a vessel. He formed him as a carrier. What are you talking about, Reverend? Well, the rest of that scripture, Genesis 2 verse 7 says, God formed man out of the dust of the ground but that's not all he did. He, it wasn't until God filled what he formed that something happened. He formed man. But then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God formed the container and then filled it with himself. The body is a container. That's why when somebody dies, all you have left is an empty container. The spirit leaves and we put the body back into the ground because if the container is not filled, there is no life. It's just a body. Are you with me? It is that which fills the body that gives the body life. The body was designed to be a carrier, a container, a vessel. That's why when God was ready to form the church in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, y'all remember the story, they were on one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound like... Like a rushing mighty wind that filled the house that they were in and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Back in Genesis, God formed the body, he blew his breath in. In Acts, God formed the body and he blew his breath in. The body is a container. 
We hold something. We are carriers of something. Paul says we are the body of Christ. We are the carriers of Christ. We are the containers holding Christ. Ah, it makes sense then when Paul writes in the third chapter of this same book, don't you know that you are the temple of God? And then in 1 Corinthians 6, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Church, we are the carriers of Christ. That is stewardship. Stewardship is just the state of acting as the surrogate of another. Acting in somebody else's state. You're taking care of what belongs to somebody else. As the body of Christ, as the carriers of Christ, as the containers of Christ, as the vessels of Christ, we bring Christ into whatever situation we enter. One of the most... I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, it. It makes me have to. It makes me sometimes have to turn Facebook off when uh, when somebody who is a part of the church, when somebody who is saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, starts complaining about what the church ain't doing. Because what they're most times talking about is what a building isn't doing or what we're not doing in a building. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and when you step in, the church steps in. When you do it, the church has done it. Um, we're containers holding Christ, we are stewards, we're stewards. As the body of Christ, we bring Christ wherever we go, whatever situation we get in. This, listen, I don't think anybody would disagree with me. This world needs Jesus. And we are the carriers in a city where last week a young up-and-coming track star at 15 years old was shot and killed by mistake. Somebody is asking, where is Jesus? CNN has been keeping track since July of how many Truths and untruths come out of our president's mouth in the last seven days. 56 statements that we know to be false have come out. Somebody, somewhere, is saying, Where is Jesus? We live in a state, in the state of Ohio, where nearly 200,000 people live on less than $2 a day. And somebody is asking, where's Jesus? In a world where human trafficking still exists, people are still being bought and sold in 2020. 
where there's enough food to feed everybody and yet there are still people hungry. In a world where the coronavirus cases are growing, not shrinking, in spite of all the medicine we have. In a world where 14 children last week were killed in an attack in Cameroon. Somebody is asking, where is Jesus? Well, saints, we're the carriers. And if they're asking, where is Jesus? How are they going to get him if we don't take him? Reverend, you need to get them into the church. You need to get them into 3375 S.A. Winston Senior Way. Listen, Jesus doesn't live at 3375. He lives in you and he lives in me. And if there's something to be done, we are his body and we are the ones to do it. I in studying this, finally, what he said in Matthew 16 started to make sense where he says, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But that's not all he says. He said, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and what you bind on earth will be bound in it. Actually, what it says there in the original text is, shall have been bound in heaven and what you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven because you are my body and you have authority your neighbor is wondering where is Jesus your children are in their room wondering where is Jesus And we hold on to him because he feels good. God have mercy. God have mercy. That we're saved and going to heaven anyhow. And watching all the rest of the world go to hell. God have mercy. I am so sorry that we started worshiping buildings. Don't get me wrong, we should be thankful for what he's given. But Jesus does not reside in bricks and mortar. He lives in us. And we take him into impossible situations. Where there's hate, we take love. Huh? Where there is bondage, we take freedom. Where there is despair, we take hope. Where there's sickness, we take healing. Where there's turmoil, we take peace. Where there's darkness, we take light. We take Jesus. And church, Jesus is all we have to give. <laughs> So much starts to make sense when you get it. That's why Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. 
There's a man begging outside who was lame. Can you help a brother out? Can you spare some change? They said, listen, we don't have silver or gold, but you can have what we got. Such as we have, that's what we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And the man got up and he leapt and went into the temple praising God. And everybody saw him and they saw him where he had been. And they saw what Jesus did for him through these guys. If, um, let's see. The other thing that we have to be careful of, church, and, uh, I don't, I don't mean any harm. We, we have a 501c3, and they are useful. They're useful. But we cannot sell our silence. When the government or when agencies or when foundations come to us and they say, we'll give you money, but you can't say his name. then there's some money that ain't worth having. Because all we have that's worth any power is the name of Jesus. And if the church abandons Jesus, we have become like salt without any flavor. Huh? We're like fire without any heat. Water without any wet. Useless. <laughs> we are the body of Christ. That's what we do. When we serve, we serve in his name. When we pray, we pray in his name. When we mediate, we mediate in his name. When we heal, we heal in his name. When we give, we give in his name. We are the body of Christ. That's who we are. We are full of him. We wear his name wherever we go. That I, I don't mean to bother nobody today. Yes, I do. Let me quit telling the story. That's why we watch how we walk. That's how we, that's why we mind how we talk. That's why we are careful what we post. That's why we think before we speak. That's why we pray before we move because we represent the kingdom of God. And it matters. Paul gives us a glimpse of the ownership of the body. He gives us a glimpse into the stewardship of, a bo of the body. And then finally, he gives us a picture of the membership of the body. King James says it like this. Members in particular, uh, the New American Standard Bible says, and individually members of it, New International Version says, each one of you is a part of it. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's good news. Each one of you is everybody who is saved is a part of the body of Christ with no exclusions. We don't all have to look the same. 
We don't all have to sound the same. We don't all have to have the same gifts. We don't all have to come from the same family, the same background. We don't all operate the same. Some are Jews. Some are Gentiles. I'm I'm not making this stuff up. This is in the chapter. Some are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are bond. Some are free. Some are male. Some are female. But one body. Yep. Some are Baptists, some are Pentecostals, some are Methodists, some are Catholics, some are Presbyterian, some are disciples of Christ, some are non-denominational, but if you name the name of Jesus, we are one body. Some are black, some are white, some are mixed. Some we can't tell, some are young, some are old. One body. Some like it loud, some like it soft, some like it dressy, some like it casual, some like it formal, some like it relaxed, but we are all one body. Some like hymns, some like contemporary music, some like it upbeat, some like it slow, but we are all one body. Some grew up in the church. Some just came into church, but we are one body. Some have the word of wisdom. Some have the word of knowledge. Some have the gift of faith. Some have the gift of healing. Some have the gift of prophecy. Some can discern spirits. Some have the gift of tongues. Some can interpret tongues, but we're one body. There's some hands in here. Some feet. Some ears. Some eyes. Some parts you can see, some parts you should never see, but one body. Because if there's one part that ain't working right, then you can feel it in the other parts that should. Let me me see if I can help you understand. My doctor got on my nerves. My doctor got on my nerves. He... He got on my nerves. He almost, he almost provoked me to, uh, to be out of character. Because I have a doctor who, uh, um, he, my, my, my sister and I, we joke about it. We have the same doctor. He's kind of on the larger side and he don't say nothing to us about being on the larger side. You hear my complaint and prescribe me something and you don't say nothing to me and I won't say nothing to you and I'll keep coming back. And I went to him and I said, Doctor, my back is killing me. There are days when literally 
I have to roll out of bed onto the floor and slide my way up. Days when I'm trying to walk like it doesn't hurt and it is excruciating. Perhaps you could give me something. <laughs> and he said to me, What's wrong with your back is your front. Sir, that is not our agreement. Because your front has grown out of balance, you are compensating with the way you do everything. And because your front ain't right, your back ain't right. And I can give you something, but until you deal with what's really messed up, And there is stuff in the body that is not operating at full capacity because there is another part of the body that's out of balance, out of whack, that ain't right. And you think that somebody, we want, listen, we want to get in somebody's line so they can lay hands on us and give us a pill right quick. Don't say nothing about what's really wrong. If you fix what's wrong, then you'll deal with the symptom. <laughs> I need you. Huh? If you're a kidney in the body, I need you to function as a kidney in the body because the rest of the body will be messed up if the kidney ain't functioning right. I need you. You need me. If I'm a gland that's supposed to be producing something, if I'm not producing, then you're going without, we're going without, we need each other. And some parts are right up front. Some parts can be seen. You can see my head. You can see my face. You can see my ears. You can see my hands. But there are parts of me that you ought to thank God you cannot see. But they are working behind the scenes so that the parts you can see. Do you get what I'm saying? And not everybody is going to be exposed. Some people who were made to work underneath the surface. But if you're not working underneath the surface, we sure do feel it. And he placed, we'll get to that, not today though. He placed those in the body 
as it suited him. Right? There's some things we don't understand. Some things we don't get, right? I had a musician once, and I was I was minister of music. We shall remain nameless. He called me in to my office. And said, Pastor, I believe real leaders are, oh, pardon me, he said, Sam, I believe, he or she, pardon me, said, Sam, I believe real leaders are, are born. And based on what you're doing, I don't believe you're one of those real leaders. No problem. No problem. Because I may not be a good one. I can be an improving one. I hope that I am an improving one. But where you are is not man's choice. And truth be told, it's really not even about your skill. It's his divine choice. There were a whole lot of preachers in Mount Calvary 15 and a half years ago, right? Many with more education than I, right? I've never even been to seminary. I was a political science and music major. More, More experience, better orators, But I was God's choice to lead, get this, in this season. Because after me will come somebody else who's God's choice for that season. Right? You're here by divine design. Pastor, I'm not good enough. Okay, that doesn't change what God said. I'm not skilled enough. Okay, let him show you what he can do if you're just yielded enough. What is it, Brother Oakley? Faithful, available, and teachable. I was reading through, I asked the leaders, and then I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm done. This is just the epilogue. Prologue, no, it's an epilogue, that's what it's called. Some of you educated people, you all have epilogue, this is, yeah. Listen, I was reading through, I asked the leaders to, uh, to write down a few things for me. I asked about 2019. I asked them um, to write down some triumphs of 2019 for their personal and ministry triumphs, some things they were really glad about, and some tragedies, some things that didn't go so well personally and in the ministry. And I asked them to give me one leadership lesson that they learned coming out of 2019. And I was so blessed, one of the leaders simply wrote in that leadership lesson, was, what they simply wrote was, I can. Right. 
somebody who was asked to serve at the beginning of 2019 who, who wasn't sure that they could. But just being faithful and available and teachable coming out of 2019, they saw how God could use them just because they were submitted and they came out saying, I can. Right? With Christ, I can do everything. We're the body of Christ. Nobody's here on accident. You're here on purpose. God placed you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a function for you. And we are, as a family, going to figure out, find out, and discern what function is. All right? If you believe that and you're ready for the journey, shout amen. If you are here and you are not sure you're saved, if you're not sure that you're a part of the body of Christ, you're not sure that you're going to live forever with Jesus, I've got some good news for you today. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. 